As I think about um, travel, and I love traveling, uh, in, in that scenario, in an airport, is the one place I typically get pretty jealous. I don't know about you. Um, when I think about airports, I'm a bit traumatized, okay? Because the airports we deal with in the Philippines, if you guys, how many have been to the Philippines? Let's see the Philippine crew. Thank you, guys. A lot of you have been there on a missions trip at least a time or two to come see us, which we're very thankful for. But you know what those airports in the Philippines look like. And uh, you're going to see a picture here of a whole lot of people in our terminal there in Manila. But uh, yeah, there it is. <laughs> so just, just a few people. And uh, when they tell you get there three hours early, they mean it because it'll take you two and a half to get through that. And you'll be racing through security and all that. So please come visit us, right? You're like, no, never, never. But uh, this is the Philippines. It's a, it's a very busy place. There's tons of Filipinos coming in and going out, working abroad, as we call it. They are overseas foreign workers. And we send a lot of Filipinos all over the world uh, for work. And our heart, our goal is to send a whole lot of Filipinos around the world for the cause of Christ. And so uh, you pray for us as we emphasize that. But I get jealous when I'm in that line. And these are the lines, by the way. This is the departures area. They're trying to get checked into their airline. And I get jealous when I see signs like this one uh, about general boarding, because that's all of us peasants, that whole group of people, those masses, that's us. And then there's these other people, the sky priority, right, or the priority lane, whoever those people are. And they're there for a reason, right? Let's just be honest. Those people have been loyal to that airline. They've spent the big money on their credit card, on that airline's credit card. Uh, they, they've racked up points or whatever it's taken to get that status with that airline. They've, they've made that airline a priority, and now they are being given the priority, right? They're, they're passing all those masses of people. I mean, just put yourself in that scenario. You're in a line like I just showed you, lines. That's just like a maze of lines in that building, and you get to walk right by it all. Those people go, they're, they're already uh, to their gate within maybe five, 10 minutes. They can check into their lounge or do whatever they're doing. They're, they're given priority because they have made that airline a priority. Life is all about priorities. As we go into this new year and we make goals and resolution, it tells us a lot about our priorities. And today I want you to do something with me. I want to have a group priority check. Maybe you've had this as a family before, like, I don't know if our priorities are right. Well, today, when it comes to the cause of Christ, I believe that we need this. Uh, we need to evaluate uh, how we're living our lives, how we're using our resources. We need a spiritual priority check. And today I want to say that the gospel isn't just for a place in our lives. It does not just take a small part of our lives. It sets all of our priorities. The mission of Jesus Christ should set our priorities as a church, in our individual families, and in our personal lives. Jesus said, follow me and I will make you fishers of what? Men. The souls of men, the saving of the world is our priority. But the question today is, do we live that way? Uh, we say it, but do we do it? Uh, we say we want to have world impact, but how? It's going to take a big adjustment of our priorities. Today we're talking about commitments, right? That, that's going to take priority for you to make a difference financially for missions giving. 
Uh, it's going to take uh, you being willing to give above and beyond yourself. And I would say that today, missions giving is not mandatory, but it is an opportunity. It's an opportunity for you today. This is not mandatory like paying your light bill, right? You better pay it or they're going to turn them off. This is an opportunity. A lot of you uh, invest in opportunity all the time. Those of you who are saving for retirement. How many of you are saving? Saving money. You've been saving money, right? Uh, That's an opportunity for more rewards. You that own a business, right? You, you, you You invested capital in that business. Why? Because you looked forward to greater growth, greater opportunity in the future. We do this all the time. We prioritize something knowing there's going to be a gain. How much greater of a, of, a, of a gain can there be than one person trusting Jesus as their Savior and having eternity in heaven? And you, according to the Timothy Initiative, can give $400 to see a church started somewhere you'll never go, and that church doesn't just result in one person getting saved, Uh, They said those churches are usually 15 to 20 people. Those are micro churches, small church plants around the villages. But did you see the video? Hundreds of thousands of those, where those are not just churches represented, those are people. Missions giving is not mandatory, but man, it's an opportunity for me and you to get involved. Philippians 4 verse 7, Paul says here, not because I desire a gift, But I desire fruit that may abound to your account. Fruit is that opportunity. It's you you having eternal dividends, eternal reward. Not just in heaven. I think that even now, there's a blessing to those that give. There's a blessing to those that that pass on and and sacrifice and give to things like this. Uh, Have you ever met a hoarder? right? Those are usually not very happy people, right? Because they're so obsessed with protecting their stuff. You may not be a hoarder of physical things, but when it comes to your bank accounts and your money, you're pretty tight. You're a tightwad, as we call it, right? But tightwads don't advance the kingdom very well, do they? And really, let's be honest, our money will go where our heart is, It's a good indicator of how right we are with God and others, because if I don't care, I won't give. So our heart has to be in the right place, and our hearts aren't going to be in the right place if we have not surrendered our lives. We sang it in the early service about surrendering it all. And until we've done that, we may not have the heart in the right place or the money going to the right place. Say, we're talking about money today, Pastor Calvin. Well, We did call this Commitment Sunday, so you signed up for this. You're here. I thought if there was one Sunday where people would be like, I'm gone. I'm bailing today. It's on Commitment Sunday because we we said it. We're going to talk about commitment today. But it's not just about money. Jesus wants our hearts. He wants our lives dedicated to his cause. Our goal is for world impact. That's what we've said but this is not just a choice, this is a command. Jesus said it, Matthew 28, 18 through 20. And Jesus came and spake unto them, saying, All power is given unto me in heaven and in earth. Isn't that good? That he said, All power is given unto me. He said that before he said, Go. He said, I've got this, I'm in control, go ye therefore 
and teach all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Ghost, teaching them to observe all things whatsoever I have commanded you. And lo, I am with you always, even unto the end of the world. That's a great way. That, we call that a, that's like a gospel sandwich. Jesus said in the beginning, uh, all power is given unto me. I've got this. Now you go. And then he says, lo, I'm with you always, even until the end of the world. So Jesus doesn't send us somewhere where he's not willing to go with us. He doesn't tell us to do something he will not empower us to do. He's given us a command. This is not optional. Uh, th this is not just a theme. World, world impact is not just a theme. It is an assignment from God. Have you ever seen it that way? Have you taken it on as that kind of a burden, a goal, a desire? Say, I want to reach everybody anywhere at any time. God, just bring them, put them in my path. God, wherever you send me, I'm going to be a mouthpiece for you. I thought it was interesting, the Timothy Initiative, this project that, that we're supporting here at Fellowship, in their discipleship process, as you are in book one, they have 10 different levels of this discipleship over two years, which would be good for all of us, wouldn't it be? Uh, and maybe someday we'll use those Timothy Initiative materials here at Fellowship. But one thing I love about it is they said that in that book one, these are little baby Christians. These are new believers. You know what they're challenging them to do? It's not read all the, the books of theology and memorize all these verses. You know what they're telling them to do? Go share your story at least five times a week. Can you imagine the effect that would have on our churches in America if even you told one person every week? But let's be honest, some of us haven't told one all year. Let's be honest. I've been preaching a long time. I won't tell you how old I am, but I'm getting older. But I've met people that have, they've been honest. They've said, Pastor Calvin, let me be honest with you. I've never once told someone about my faith. That's the honest truth. This is a command. This is not an option. Jesus has given us marching orders, so to speak. Let's look at Luke chapter 9. Many people were coming alongside Jesus, and they were saying, Jesus, I want to follow you. I want to I want to come alongside you. And that was the command of Jesus. He said, follow me. Follow me. That takes faith to follow Jesus. It takes faith to come alongside of him. That's what we call this faith promise giving. I need faith to go farther. I want faith, though, that goes all the way with Jesus, that goes all the way to the end that he has for me. I want to go with him wherever he calls me. I want to go with him whenever he calls me. I want to offer how much he requires. We sang earlier, you can have it all. Do we mean what we sing? You can have it all. Uh, Jesus had been calling disciples unto him, and he had been obvious about his mission, his agenda. He says it here in verse 44 of Luke 9, let these sayings sink into your ears, for the Son of Man shall be delivered into the hands of men. He kept telling them what he was about to do, but they just weren't getting it. That's kind of like us in church, even listening about how to give and all these things. I was talking to Pastor Chris earlier, and I said, repeat to me again, what are we doing and how do we, you know, we don't listen. 
right? A lot of times we don't listen or we have very selective hearing, or at least that's what my wife tells me. Just kidding. Okay. Anyway, we, we, that's how we are. But here, Jesus is telling them again and again his mission, and people were trying to come alongside of him, but I would say they weren't aligned with his mission, they, they, they were not looking at as him as one destined to die for the sins of all men. They were like, oh, this guy is coming along to be our next king. He's going to lead a revolution, and we're going to join in because we hate the Romans, and we want, we want them out of power. They were thinking politics. Sounds a lot like us Americans, though, right? Uh, they were getting political about things, but Jesus was on a spiritual mission, And they were either coming on it or they weren't. It was really cut and dry. Here in Luke chapter 9, he says in verse 56, For the Son of Man has not come to destroy men's lives, but to save them. And they went to another village. And it came to pass that as they went in the way, a certain man said unto him, Lord, I will follow thee whithersoever thou goest. He said it. The guy said it. I'll follow you wherever you go. And Jesus said unto him, foxes have holes, the birds of the air have nests, but the Son of Man hath not where to lay his head. Jesus was testing this guy's willingness to go anywhere. So where will you follow Jesus? Uh, Where will you go with him? He's leading, he's with you, he's enabling you, he's before you, beside you, behind you. Will you go with him? The old hymn said, I'll go with him, with him, all the way. Will you believe Jesus all the way? Will you live by faith all the way or just a bit? See, it's a matter of priorities. It's a matter of uh, setting Jesus in first place in our lives, knowing that he'll take care of us where we go. Where will you follow him? Will you go with him to the ends of the earth? Some would say, well, that's way too far. That's way too far. Let's start right here at home. Will you go to him with him next door to your neighbor? Will you be a friend? Will you be a voice for him? Back to politics. Man, we are quick to bring that up, aren't we? Do a test with me. Go talk to your neighbor, even if you've never talked to them before, and see, I guarantee you within five minutes, you'll know their political party, right? Guaranteed. We're Americans. We talk about politics. You know, they said there's two things you're not allowed to talk about. But as Americans, we, we talk about politics Just give us a few seconds. We're going to tell you who we're for, who we're against, what agendas we're for, what we're against. Here's what I say to that. If you're going to bring up politics, I'm bringing up Jesus. I'm going to talk about Jesus and why we are in the state we are, why, how, how, when the Bible was removed and whatnot, this is why we are in the state we're in, right? Bring up Jesus. Don't be afraid to talk religion and use politics as a good opportunity. Okay, that's where I'm at with this. Where will you follow him? He may not be calling you to go to Tanzania, but I guarantee you he's calling you across the street. He's calling you to your city, your county, the people that are right here. And here's the hard truth, guys. We have people in Columbus, Ohio right now from around the world. There are immigrants and refugees all over this city There's around 40,000 Somali refugees in Columbus, Ohio. Uh, There are thousands of Filipino immigrants that are here, the people that we go to reach. But they're here. 
And what are we doing to reach them here? Think about it with me. Before you say, I'm going for you wherever you go, Jesus might say, hold up, what about local? Are you doing it? Are you reaching people? Could you, could you be a part of the Timothy Initiative Discipleship Program and be accountable to share with five people a week? Would you? Could you? This is what Jesus is calling us to. Where will you follow him? You might find it's across the street before it's around the world. Number two, when? When will you follow him? I believe that verse 59 and 60 point this out. And he said unto another, follow me. And he said, Lord, suffer me first to go and bury my father. Jesus said unto him, let the dead bury their dead, but go thou and preach the kingdom of God. Jesus is not against your family relationships. In fact, if you know him, your family relationships will get a whole lot better. Uh, your, your life will go a whole lot better. Your marriage will go a lot better. Your relationship with your parents will be a whole lot better if you let Jesus have the priority in your life. He's not telling you, hate your parents, ignore your parents, leave them behind. No, no, no. He's talking about priorities. Priorities. The guy's saying, when do I need to follow? And Jesus says, right now. Uh, when do we need to reach the world? Jesus said, let's do it now. Let the dead bury their dead. Let's go and preach the gospel. When? People are dying every second. And let's be honest, some of us question whether or not we would come to church today. They're dying every second. Brother Nelms gave us a statistic last week. It's in the thousands that die every second around the world and many of them, statistically speaking, are not Christians. They're not saved. This is our job. This is our opportunity. We have a thousand excuses, but we need to obey now. My friend in India, Pastor Sheen Russell, uh, he's been the one we've been working with as we go to India. And pray for us. We're planning on at least one, but maybe two trips this year. And so uh, we're excited about India and what God's doing there. And maybe we get to introduce the Timothy Initiative to those guys, too, as a great uh, set of materials. But we're hoping to go in May and maybe again in October. And what I was uh, just amazed by in India was in their youth camp, just the number of young people that surrendered. They said, God, I'll go anywhere. I'll do anything. You know, this is in a place where education is everything. If you don't get a degree, a PhD, I was so humbled in India. Everybody I met, all the grown-ups, all the adults, they said, ah, uh, yes, I studied master of this and this, and I have my PhD and MDiv, and I'm like, oh, man, I'm dumb <laughs> compared to these people. They're so well-educated because that's everything to them. Education is the way out of poverty in India. They've got to get education to succeed and maybe go abroad, and that's why you find... Uh, people from India all over America. I remember those, those young men and women, they were, they were saying then that they would give their life to Jesus, and not just that, but they would surrender their future to missions, to being a pastor, or whatever it was. And one of those young people, it really touched Pastor Sheen's heart. It was his very own son, Jerry. Jerry raised his hand. He even went up on stage on the last day, and he stood there as one of those who said, I'm giving my life to serve Jesus. 12-year-old kid, 12-year-old son named Jerry. And I was talking to Pastor Sheen. This has been almost a year later, talking to Pastor Sheen this week. And I said, how's Jerry doing? Is he still playing cricket? 
And Jerry was actually a very accomplished young cricket player. I don't know anything about cricket, but I guess Jerry was good. And he was in all the tournaments and the leagues and this and that. And Pastor Sheen said, I can't get Jerry to play cricket anymore. And I said, why is that? He said, well, he wants to be in church. He knows that if he goes, if he dedicates his time to cricket, he won't have enough time to dedicate to the Lord. 12-year-old boy said, I want to live my life now preparing to serve God. He said, I want to be in Bible. said, I want to be in church every time the doors are open. Priorities. We need a priority check. Not just when, but Jesus gives us how much. Look here in verse 61. Another said, Lord, I will follow thee, but let me first go bid them farewell, which are at home at my house. It sounds similar, but Jesus defines it here in verse 62. And Jesus said unto him, No man, having put his hand to the plow and looking back, is fit for the kingdom of God. Here I believe he's talking about sacrifice. How much are you willing to sacrifice for me? How dedicated will you be to this cause? And Jesus had never said it, wouldn't it? require sacrifice. We read it earlier in verse 44. He had told them, I'm going to die. I'm going to lay my life down. And so he's saying to them, if I'm doing this, if I'm going to sacrifice my life, can't you just give your time? If I'm going to sacrifice my life, how about your resources? And let's be honest, guys. A lot of times in our giving, we're just tipping God or barely giving him the leftovers. He's not the top line on the budget list, let's be honest. We give God often the extras, but we're being called here to sacrifice. We called this Commitment Sunday, but Jesus might call it Sacrificial Sunday. No one's dying today. We're not sacrificing anybody that way, right? No animals like in the Jewish times. But we're asking you to sacrificially give. Give. You see, you can make a commitment to about anything without sacrifice. We know what that's like. We say, okay, sign me up. I'll do that. Why? Because it's easy. It's easy. We'll easily commit to something easily attainable for us. And here Jesus says, I don't just want your commitment. I want to know if you're willing to sacrifice. And Jesus says, no man, having put his hand to the plow and looking back, is fit for the kingdom of God. I don't know about you, I'm not a professional gardener, but I like straight rows, straight lines. I used to mow lawns uh, as a side gig, and I knew how to make those stripes. You know what you do? You fix your eyes on some angle, whatever angle you want. I could make an X or a Z or whatever. You fix your eyes, and you make a straight line by keeping your eyes steady on the target. Hands on the controls, by the way, too. Better do that. The Bible says in Isaiah that Jesus, in his dedication to go to the cross, he set his face like a flint. What does that mean? That means he was locked in on the cause. He was steady in his devotion, in his commitment. He was unwavering. We said, I I thought he questioned whether he should go or not. Well, the Bible says in Hebrews, who for the joy that was set before him, endured the cross, despising the shame, and is now set down on the right hand of God. What that tells me is there is is a great reward at the end of sacrifice for God. 
You say, well, I, I don't know if I, if I, if I give, is, is, is it going to, is karma going to happen and I'm just going to lose everything or whatever? No, no, no. If you give, the Bible says what you sow, you reap. What you sow, you'll reap. If you're stingy with God, I guarantee you he'll be stingy with you. If you hold back on God, don't expect him to go all in with you. How much will you sacrifice to follow him? Jesus put it this way, Matthew 16, 25, for whosoever will save his life shall lose it, and whosoever will lose his life for my sake shall find it. Jesus was saying, there's no real commitment without sacrifice. You know that's true in your marriage, right? You know that's true with your kids. And you would do anything for those two categories. But what about for world impact? What about for the Lord? That's what we're asking today. I've been guilty of you many times making a good commitment with very little sacrifice. I think it was C.S. Lewis who said, you don't give unless you're sacrificing. There's no real giving unless it hurts. When it hurts... That's sacrifice. That's sacrifice. If you gave up your Netflix subscription, that's not really much of a sacrifice, right? If you gave up, like Brother Nelm said, one coffee a week, you could support $34 a month or something to go to the Timothy Initiative. That's no sacrifice. When I look at the videos we just saw, those are people, imagine this with me, They're looking for their daily bread. Jesus said, give us this day our daily bread. That's what those people pray. Because they're looking for daily food. And they're willing to go, Brother Nelm shared with us, at the risk of their own lives. Did you see those churches burning, the videos that he showed? Those are churches in India. Those are believers that their their place of worship, their own homes and lives are under attack but they're saying he's worth it. Jesus is worth it. He's worth any sacrifice. Actually, all of our sacrifices are worthy or can be worthy of him. This is a priority check. Why, last but not least, Jesus gives us the why. Why should we follow him? Verse 62, Jesus said unto him, no man having put his hand to the plow and looking back is fit for the kingdom of God. I would say just as we reflect, why? Because he gave his life for you. I haven't done that. Pastor Tony hasn't done that. Pastor Chris hasn't done it. No one else has ever done that. He didn't just do it for you. He didn't just prioritize you, even when we weren't prioritizing him, but he prioritized the world. He gave his life as a ransom for many. He did it for you. He did it for me. And we know that If we look to that sacrifice, that gift by faith, we can be saved. The Bible says the just shall live by faith. Faith cometh by hearing and hearing by the word of God. Today you've heard the word of God. You have a choice to respond in faith to the word of God. Jesus said, we read it, I didn't come to destroy men's lives. I came to save them. You see, if I become a Christian, I got to take on all these rules and this responsibility And Jesus says, no, 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 I'm not coming to mess up your life. I'm coming to save everything about your life. 
I'm going to save your soul for all of eternity. You have a home in heaven. I'm coming to save your marriage. I'm coming to save your, your children and, and give you a vision on how to raise them. I'm coming to save the world. And we're a part of that. He was on a life-saving mission. He was on an impact mission. He gave his life for us. He gave us a job to do. He, he gave us a plow. <laughs> that sounds like work, doesn't it? We've got work to do. He didn't just give us a pulpit. We've got one of these up here. He's not calling everybody to come up here and teach and preach. That's not everybody's gift. That's not even everybody's desire. But he didn't say, I gave you a pulpit. He gave a plow. That means everybody can put the hand of the plow and work in the kingdom of God. We're working for his kingdom, not our own. But sometimes we live like we're just out to build our own, right? The way we panic and fret and worry. You might have checked your retirement account more than once this week. We live as if this is all there is. Our emotions are based on the economy, how the business is doing, how the bank account looks. Jesus is saying, I want you to check your priorities. If you're going to follow me, you've got to have your hand on the plow and eyes fixed on my mission for my kingdom, not yours. My kingdom, not this world's. It's a priority check. No one ever went around the world to serve God who did not first give themselves to God right here. No one ever went to India or Egypt to tell someone about Jesus who wasn't doing it here, not effectively anyway. This is our job, guys. This is our time. He gave us a job to do. And with all the resources we have in this country, with all the ability we have in this room, the spiritual gifts, the talent that's here, you guys can change a city and you can touch the world. You can change a city. You can touch the world. You can be a church that says, hey, we're not going to be the status quo church. We're going to live and give like no one else, right? We're going we're gonna to lavish our giving on missions. We're going to live a life of service and dedication to God. We're going to reach our city. Give me five people, Lord, to reach this week, and I guarantee you, he'll bring them to your path. Those, that's a dangerous prayer to pray. God, send someone my way for me to share with. I guarantee you, God will answer that prayer. We have a job to do. And he has a kingdom coming. What a day that will be when my Jesus I shall see. When I look upon his face, the one who saved me by his grace, when he takes me by the hand and takes me to the promised land. What a day. Glorious day that will be. He's building a kingdom. Are you working with him? Paul said, we then as workers together with him, you can be a kingdom builder right here in 2024 through Fellowship Baptist Church.